Hey everybody, welcome back to Choose Inclusion and our special series, Black Voices Matter. This is Yubi, I'm here as always with Mike and Nina. Hello team, how's it going? Okay, how are you? Good. Nina, that does not sound convincing at all. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, you know me too well. I'm doing my yeah. best, I'm doing my best. <laughs> <laughs> Good, good to be here. I'm excited for our guest. Me too. Me too. And and our guest today is Dr. Nika White. Um, she is a Forbes top ten DEI trailblazer. Uh, you know, fellow diversity and inclusion um, advocate in this in this you know in this world that we're all working and living in right now. Um, and she's the president and CEO of Nika White Consulting. So welcome, Nika, and, and as always, you know, we just want to start off the conversation with, how are you doing? Well, thanks so much for the welcome, UB, and hello, Mike and Nina. I really appreciate the invite and allowing me to share with your audience. Well, how am I doing? Um, I, I appreciate this question because it's, it's a very meaningful question these days, um, particularly with so much that's going on. And for me, it really depends on the day, but I have to say that today I'm pretty energized. I would say on a scale of one to five, I am probably a four and a half. And what, what's driving, wow. what's driving that? Yeah, what's driving <laughs> yeah. the energy? Yeah, so, um, you know, as a DEI practitioner who cares deeply about this work, I have really strong convictions about the work. You know, I certainly have my days where I feel defeated, and this is a very overwhelming time for many DEI um, professionals because, um, of course, of what's happening right now with the racial inequities, of course, and the lumen effects of COVID. But um, I say energized because I have had a good week so far of connecting with so many, you know, clients or prospective clients from different industries, private, public sector who are um, asking the right questions. And that excites me because um, it has not always been that way. You know, I think that the conversation around diversity, equity, and inclusion is shifting and changing. And it just energizes me to be able to see how people are much more thoughtful than even just a few weeks ago. And um, so I think that has me at a very hopeful place. And um, I'm, I'm going to ride on the high as long as I can. <laughs> I I love hearing the because uh, uh, as you said like this space can um, uh, can can feel like it's not even stagnant but kind of going in the other direction at times so I I appreciate uh, why you are where you are today uh, Nika I'd love Doctor White uh, I'd love to know what got you in this space what got you um, to be where you are today I'd love I'd love to get a little bit of that background if you don't mind. No, I don't mind at all. Um, I often share that this space somewhat found me. Um, my background is actually marketing communications. And so I have, you know, about 15 plus years of experience working directly in that discipline. And I loved it. it you know, it's the industry that's all about on time, on budget, on strategy, on spec, um, very dynamic, fast paced. And I could appreciate that. And so um, as I was working for a large um, advertising agency that's based in South Carolina, um, but also has a presence in New York, I was in between both offices doing client services work. And I would always envy when I would go to the New York office, the level of um, diversity that was a part of the workforce. 
But what I also was keenly aware of is that even the agencies in New York, you know, the advertising capital of the world were challenged in terms of diversifying the industry. And so when I thought about the fact that the, the agency that I was with was headquartered in Greenville, South Carolina, that's not at all known for marketing communications and advertising, I realized that we were at a, a huge disadvantage um, just because our markets there are not nearly as um, diverse in terms of workforce talent that are interested in going into that career path. And so, but I also was aware that in order for us as an agency to be smart marketing partners to our clients, whose diverse constituents um, were all types of backgrounds, demographics, that we needed to make sure that we were much more intentional and forward thinking about our approach to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so I sat in my office one day and I remember I just had an epiphany and I was reflecting on how much I loved my career. I thought I was gonna be in that path for the long haul. And, but I couldn't understand why there weren't others that looked like me as a black female taking advantage of that career path in the market. And so I couldn't let that go. And I remember having um, a conversation with the president CEO at the time, who was very hands-on, had a good rapport with him. He still was accessible. He led the 400, 500 plus agency staff meeting every Monday morning, so quite accessible. And I just shared this narrative that I'm sharing with, um, with each of you. And he listened intently, asked very thought-provoking questions, and then I thought I was prepared for everything in that conversation with the exception of what came next, which was, Mika, I agree, we need to do this and um, you're going to lead it, now tell us how. And so while I wasn't prepared in that immediate conversation to answer how, I had the wherewithal to recognize that I needed to build my tribe of, um, of leaders who were already quite accomplished in this space and I just became a student. I immersed myself in the work and, um, and the rest is history. You know, that I, I realized at that time that while I was drawn to the work, um, that it was something that was going to eventually end up in my future in terms of working full time in the space. And that's precisely what happened. So fast forward several years later, here I am now running my own management consulting firm where we intersect diversity, equity, and inclusion with leadership and business. That is uh, fantastic. I thank you for that. Hey, Nika, are you there? I think we might have lost Nika for a no, second. I am here. Oh, okay. <laughs> I know. It was Sorry. Really quiet, wasn't it? <laughs> it did for a second. Sorry about that. Nope, I'm here. Okay, good. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you, what's interesting, I, you know, in, in the context of um, the Black Lives Matter movement, the conversations we're having about systemic issues and racism. Um, what have you, like, do you feel like, because it, it, it seems like there have been a lot of white male leaders who pick someone of color to lead diversity and inclusion efforts in organizations. And, and now it seems like, you know, there's a lot of people in the white community reaching out to the black community to educate them on not on how not to be racist and that you know that that's one perspective but do you see that do you feel that at all especially now in the context of what's happening I definitely do and I think it's I think it's appropriate to make sure we are thoughtful to center the voices around 
those who are most um, impacted, which are members of the Black community. And so I have been um, encouraged by the level of support from white colleagues and constituents who really just want to stand in solidarity and find ways that are meaningful to um, be an ally. And so, you know, I, I recognize that there's a school of thought from many individuals that believe that in order to lead this work and do it effectively, you cannot be a part of the, the dominant culture or, or, or population. I don't believe that. One of my greatest mentors who was very instrumental in helping me to um, get my footing within this space who continues to do this work for um, many different organizations is a white female. And as a close dear friend, she and I compare stories often about who has the, um, you know, the worst situation, me as a black female trying to do the work where some people are expecting me to lead the black agenda. And then with her getting questions and criticism about um, how can you know anything about this work as a white female. And so what I always tell people is that you need to get the best person for the job. And I think that there's certainly lots of um, individuals of all types of backgrounds that um, cause them to be poised and positioned to operate effectively in this space. Now, what I would say is that if you are a member of the dominant culture and population and you're leading this work, most of those that I know that are incredibly effective, they clearly recognize the need to build those strategic alliances and to have people in their corner, in their tribe, that are influencing and in informing a lot of how they're executing the work. Because quite honestly, they don't have the lived experiences of you know, those who are part of those underrepresented, or I like to say underestimated populations. And so I do think that that is certainly a, a requirement that helps to um, ensure that the work is, is fully operationalized in a way that allows all those underserved communities to be successful. Yeah, so what does, what from a tactical perspective, does allyship look like? Like, how would you implement a strategy of allyship in a company? Or how could individuals within a company start promoting the tactics of allyship? Well, first, I think it's critically important to educate on, you know, ally work. What does that look like? Not just in theory, but in practice. Because one of the things that I have found is there are a lot of individuals who are assigning themselves that title because they really just believe that in sentiment um, and even by their personal convictions that they they want to be um, activated towards social justice work and and to stand in solidarity with, with those who um, are presented with certain situations that may not be equitable for them. But it's important to note that it's not something we can assign to ourselves by way of a title. It's something that you have to earn and you don't earn it just through any type of action, but it needs to be useful, meaningful action. Um, and so the reason that I started by saying that education is really important about ally work is if I don't know what's useful to those groups in which I'm trying to ally with, then I'm not gonna be as, as impactful and as effective. And so that requires listening. It requires really expanding your network and making sure that you are uh, believing first and foremost, the lived experiences of those that are different from our own. And I, I amplify believing because there is a large population of people that are part of these um, communities of color that their challenge is that their experiences aren't believed. It's simply because it's not something that, um, um, you know, non-people of color have experienced directly. And so therefore it becomes something that is hard for them to really um, 
see as, as really taking place and so believe their experiences. That requires also being willing to self-educate and recognizing the, the detriment um, when you rely on colleagues of color to help educate you on systemic racism and what that looks like, what it feels like and how it shows up. And so resources abound right now. So if I'm working with clients, one of the things that I often like to emphasize if you're really interested in getting their leaders um, to be much more thoughtful about LI work is, um, is the, the training and development, you know, the, the education behind what does it look like, not just in theory, but we also wanna look at it in practice. And so, you know, a lot of our um, training facilitation has micro learning activities incorporated. It's very interactive to make sure people are getting to practice these concepts and these constructs. And so, I think that's where it starts. Let's define it and then let's make sure that we can help people to execute it in practice. I love it. I love I love the roadmap approach that you have. I um I know you have a ton of energy. You have a you have a, have a great mind for road mapping. How how do you feel like this particular time is going to be different than uh, times before, Dr. White? Well, you know, I am, I'm hopeful that it will be. Um, and the reason I say that instead of just speaking confidently that it, it will is because I think that right now we're still too close to recent events that led to, um, you know, all different types of communities placing emphasis and focus on what's going on that's made it top of mind, but we have to keep applying the pressure for people to continue to keep talking about it, being concerned about now moving towards action. And so um, I know I'm personally committed to that and I am, you know, impressing upon others to also make sure that they're committed to that. I also think that people are right now much more open to the conversation I have connected with several different um, DEI professionals who really see this as just the perfect storm, the perfect storm to be able to broach those conversations that perhaps they haven't been as courageous about. Um, maybe they've been holding it for the right time and the time is now. So, you know, we are at the right place at the right time for our work and uh, we have to be bold in our ability to manage up. Our leaders are open to our voices now more than ever. We have to make sure we continue to drive DEI despite even some of the increased responsibilities that a lot of us who um, are charged with this work have. And what I mean by that, when I consider that we are still right in the midst of a global pandemic, oftentimes this work of DEI falls under the, um, the HR realm. And so HR professionals are really inundated right now. They are furloughing people and bringing them back. And it's just a lot that they're taking on, which means that there's a potential that the DEI emphasis may um, be diminished. And so we can't let that happen. So one of the things that I have been encouraging a lot of C-suite leaders to do if their HR folks are leading this work is to now step up. I'm saying, you know, you need to be now the voice behind this work right now. Um, the way in which you tell the story, you talk about the value of it is really important. It's time to make a case of DEI in a new way. Um, and I feel like this is really an opportunity for organizations to rise to the occasion. And people are watching, they're criticizing, they're questioning, they are doing their own investigations and research. And they want to really know, are these statements that these organizations are putting out 
are they just going to ring hollow or is it really going to be backed by evidence of delivering upon um, those statements that they are releasing internally and externally? Have you noticed, you know, you know you're in, in South Carolina and mm -hmm. what, I don't know, what are the differences that you see regionally? I feel like they're, uh, you know, you just hear all these different stories and there's different mindsets, even though this is a national conversation, what's, what's different? in this then and and you know what's uh, yeah let's just start there like what are the what are the you had to go there that, that you're noticing and that you've been seeing you had to go the there whole time well I, I mean a little bit like i think <laughs> because there, there is that there is that conversation and we're having that Absolutely. internally too because you know it's it's how do we bring how do we bring our how, how do we do we change our conversation a little bit, right? Do we, how do we adapt? How, it's also globally too, right? The conversation and cultures are so different around the world that you have to take those into account. So what, I don't know, like what, yeah, what are those differences? How do you, how do you manage those? You know, so my firm, we operate globally. So we have clients all over. So although we're based in South Carolina, a lot of the lens that I have around this very specific question comes from clients that I serve, um, communities that I serve all, all across the, the U.S. and beyond. Um, but I will say I am keenly aware of the stigma that certain states like South Carolina has attached to it around these issues. And, um, you know, they certainly show up in many different ways. But I'm also, um, I've also really aligned myself very intentionally with efforts that, um, and organizations and initiatives that I know are really, um, really desire to see a change, not just again in, in talk and lip service, but in action that can lead to impact. And so I think that keeps me at a place to where I'm able to um, continue to stay the course knowing that there's a lot of work to be done, but a lot of work has already progressed. And uh, we just wanna keep riding on that momentum. The reality is that every community, every market has its challenges. And, um, you know, we just happen to be in South Carolina that has a, a lot of challenges that people are aware of. Um, but at the same time, I, I see the good in this community. I'm actually in the upstate of South Carolina um, which is where my business is based and where I, I reside. And I have to say that I think that this very specific market of upstate of South Carolina, Greenville specifically, is um, much more progressive than most of the uh, markets that I actually end up working with around this topic of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, and it could be because, again, I'm, I'm somewhat close to it. So I kind of know all of the players and all the leaders and all the organizations that are in this space. Um, and so maybe that has something to do with it, but, um, but yeah, it, it is what it is, but challenges are everywhere. Nika, what role do you think companies should be playing in this overarching conversation? Like, I think the private sector has, you know, a lot of people are kind of doing the performative uh, yeah. hashtags and, and things like that. I mean, what, what role does private sector play in this movement? And um, what, what do you want to see companies doing? So the role that I have been um, impressing upon the private sector is you have to intersect commerce and community. 
there, there's no way around it. You know, if we are operating as though we believe what's happening outside of the four walls of our organization is not impacting our productivity, our performance, then we are misguided because people are definitely impacted. And so I don't think that companies can sit on the sidelines and be silent and not find it appropriate to engage in dialogue and conversations where they're demonstrating a level of commitment um, behind dismantling the systemic racism. Um, you know, the business case for it is that if an employer is not seen as progressive and inclusive and, you know, being the destination of choice, then they're going to lose out on great talent. Um, and if talent is not willing to see a market in a, you know, area as one that's desirable, then uh, industry is not going to want to plant itself into those markets. I mean, so it's, we, we certainly have to be concerned about it. And, but I am, very aware of, um, you know, certain leaders of organizations that are saying, you know, we make X widgets, or we're in this service, you know, field, and so we don't want to get involved in social justice, we're going to leave that to others. But um, it's showing up at their doorstep in a way they probably don't even realize. And so they have to intersect commerce and community in a much more intentional way. This is great. I think the I'm just I'm kind of sitting back and processing <laughs> everything because you know it's there is no playbook for all of this and um, you know I think everything you're you're saying everybody should be writing down right now and putting into their own playbook to 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 take action. I think that's the biggest thing. What do you say to people though who are overwhelmed? Right. I think there's a lot of people who are like, well, we've got COVID and then we've got um, you know, the, the, the economy, problems with the economy, we have the Black Lives Matter discussion, we've got, and movement, and we've got, you know, our, we've got employees we need to take care of, we have to do, like, like we're, you know, is there a way to prioritize all of this? You know, that's a really great question. And I have, I have been having lots of conversations around the necessity of self-care now more than ever, because I do think that all that people are experiencing certainly is um, beginning to take a toll on us um, physically, emotionally. Um, you know, the one thing that I will say is that we all have to be reflective about where we best fit into this fight. And of course, I'm referring to fight as this, you know, social um, justice, um, racial inequity issue that we're facing. Um, and not everybody needs to be necessarily out there protesting, you know, uh, I think there's multiple ways in which you impact this work um, in meaningful ways. And so I tell people all the time, maybe one of the best places to start if you're feeling overwhelmed is think about your inner circle, you know, think about your home, you know, think about our family members, think about our, our, our coworkers, our colleagues, our neighbors, those that we may attend worship service, you know, with, but people that are already in our circles. Let's not feel like we each individually have to go and conquer the world. Let's just do what we can with what we have within the spheres of influence that we have that power to do so. And I've also been sharing with people the need to be still, be still and be okay with the discomfort for a while. I think there's so much value in sitting with the pain of the discomfort because otherwise, it forces us to want to try to be too eager to move past this. And I think there's a lot to be said for allowing this discomfort to permeate in a way that stings. And that leads us to want to be called to action, not just for this moment, 
but something that we will make as a habitual practice if we continue to all emerge stronger from this. And so that, that's what I would share. I, I've um, thoroughly enjoying listening to you, Dr. White. I really am. I like you, the, the, uh, the optimism, the, the, the roadmap, everything. And I think, I think you're just giving people more um, ways to think about like how they can be, uh, you know, personally accountable, how they can, um, I mean, you came from that world of marketing, it, it, like brand power matters to people now. People are researching. They're more educated now um, than ever. And so I think, uh, you know, whether they want to be proactive out there, um, you know, from, from protesting to, um, you know, online campaigns to just their inner circle, I, I I share the optimism with you. Um, it it is exhausting, and I'm really glad you you mentioned just taking care of yourself too. And that that, that means, you know, hopefully, um, you know, getting out there and enjoying some of the uh, summer type weather that's uh, uh, over the country right now. So I've I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation with you, Doctor. Thank you so much for being uh, being part of this. No, absolutely. I'm I'm thrilled for um, the invitation to share. Yeah, this has been wonderful. Um, please, you know, everybody listening, you know, again, come back and, and you know, listen to Dr. White and, and write down a lot of the, the, the things she's saying. Um, go back and listen to some of our other episodes as well, because I think what we're seeing just by, by listening to these different voices in the Black community is, is you know, this is, this is how we educate ourselves and this is how we learn to build our own empathy to go out and do something right to help because i think i think you're right nika this, this is a fight mm -hmm. and we have to sustain the fight to see change um and so that yeah this um you know, with your voice and, you know, for everybody else out there, thank you for checking out. Uh, we'll be continuing the series for, you know, until we see that change together. So thank you all. Thank you, Mike and Nina and um, everybody take care. Take care, everyone. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you, doctor. Thank you, everybody.